Hey everybody, Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and this is part of our Veteran Stories Difference Makers series, and I'm delighted to have Army veteran Scott Deluzio with us. Hi, Scott. Hey, how are you? Thank for, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on and, and, uh, and share my, my story. Oh, it's, it's, our, it's our absolute honor and pleasure, and uh, firstly, thank you very much for your service. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'd love for you to share with us what was your motivation for joining the military, the army, in the first place. Yeah, so uh, so growing up, my my family um, we were very patriotic. Um, the way we we were brought up, we we had the um, the military, the first responders, and, and people like that uh, held in very high regard. Uh, when when uh, you know other kids were, were growing up, they were looking up to the the sports figures and Michael Jordan and and things like that, right? And uh, and for us, we we looked up and respected the the military and the police and the uh, you know the the firefighters and people like that. So right. um, so we were we were very much uh, very much was ingrained in us. Uh, my my grandfather he served in the Navy during World War II. Uh, my my parents uh, did not serve in the military, um, but they they missed the Vietnam uh, draft by by like a year or two, um, in, in that so they were they're just a little bit on the young side for for the Vietnam, um, but they they always they always taught us um, about the the dangers that were that existed in the world and um, and made sure that we respected and appreciated the people who were willing to stand up and defend us uh even though though they didn't even know us from anybody else they but they were still willing to defend us uh you know one way or another so um when 9-11 happened um i was in college and i had considered just dropping out of college right then and there and joining the military um i i decided to sleep on that uh for for a little bit, um, make make sure I was not rushing into a, a rash decision, um, and I realized that if I was to drop out of college, I probably wouldn't finish what I started, and so I, I was already a couple of years in. I figured I, whatever military response is going to take place, it's going to probably take place over over several years, and and it'll still be waiting for me when I I get out of college. So, um, so I decided to stay in and, and finish that. Um, Right around the time that I was graduating college, my my younger brother uh, Stephen he uh, started going to to school um, and uh, to to college, and he um, met a guy who was in the the army, and he um, learned a little bit about it, and found that he could he could go to school and be in the army in what's what's called the the army national guard which is uh, sort mm. of part-time soldiers uh, you know one week in a month and two weeks a year uh is is the the training commitment um and then obviously they could be deployed as well um but but for the most part it's it kind of part-time soldiers so he learned a little bit about that and, and found that it sounded interesting to him it was something that he was uh curious about he wanted to to get involved with and so he joined joined the army and so overnight my my younger brother went from being the younger brother right and to all of a sudden this guy that i was looking up to and respecting and and i was damn proud of um it, for him wow. making this decision right um and um and then about a year after that i I heard this report in the news that was saying that the the military was struggling to meet their recruiting numbers that they they weren't having enough manpower to to fill the ranks and 
that really angered me. And I, I was thinking to myself, where are all these people who after 9-11 were ready to move mountains to go and mm. uh, you know get payback for what had taken place? And then I had a, a good long uh, minute of uh, self-reflection. And I said, well, I am one of those people and I still haven't done anything. Um, and and of course, if my younger brother is, is able to do this, then there's no way I'm going to let him go and get all the glory and, and uh, not, not take part in that as well. So, um, so I said, well, I have nothing but, but poor excuses right now for why I'm not uh, doing my part and why I'm not joining the military. So uh, I decided uh, right then and there that I was, I was going to, uh, I was going to enlist in the military. Um, I, I decided to do the same kind of thing that my brother did, go into the National Guard, which was, uh, again, one week in a month and two weeks a year. Uh, I already had a professional job out of college, and so uh, it worked out nicely for, for me. I was able to continue my, my professional career and also serve my, my community and my country uh, by, mm. by joining that way. So, um, so that was kind of, kind of the background of how I got started in the military and, and, and uh, why I wanted to, to serve. Uh, it was really, um, you know, just part of our upbringing. We were very patriotic. We always uh, had had this uh, uh, respect for the people who were willing to serve. And, uh, you know, I wanted to give back to our, our country. Just before we explore some of the things that you did when you're in the military, um, do you think that the, the feeling, the appreciation for the women and men that serve, um, generally speaking, do you think the appreciation, the honor, the respect, the thankfulness has changed as a general attitude? You know, I think it has, uh, for the most part, for the better. Um, of course, there's always going to be some people who have uh, these anti-military sentiments that they, that they have, uh, you know, in them. But um, when you look back to the Vietnam era, where uh, the soldiers were coming back from overseas, they're being called baby killers, and they're getting spit on, and they were uh, mm. being beat up and, and things like that just because they served their country. And and in many cases, uh, they didn't have a choice. They were drafted to to serve their, their country. And they were they were being treated like le almost like less than human. And uh, that was just a very unfortunate um, time in our, our history. Um, but now you see so much being done for the military and for the veterans. And uh, just generally speaking, I think people, uh, whether they agree with the wars that we fight in or not, they still respect the people who are, are volunteering uh, in, in this case, because there, there is no draft at this point. Um, the people who are volunteering to uh, go and serve the, the country and do whatever it is that the country is asking them to do. The, the selflessness, right. I think, is very, very much respected. All right. Great. Well, share with us some of your some of your experiences, and I know you have some things to tell about your time in the military. Yeah. So, um, you know, for the for the most part, um, the training that that we did in the, the military. So, I was an infantryman. So, uh, kind of the, the ground fighters, the the ground uh, forces. Um, you know, we did a lot of training um, where we, uh, you know, practice clearing buildings and and uh, kind of fighting through, uh, you know, the, the woods and different like navigation techniques and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we did a, a lot of that, that kind of training. Um, and being in the National Guard here, we also serve uh, 
serve our individual states uh, as well as uh, the broader country. So um, whenever there was a like a natural disaster, a flood, a hurricane, a, you know things like that, uh, the the National Guard often very often would get called up to go and um, provide assistance with evacuating people from certain areas and things like that. So so that was uh, an interesting part of of the the job as well. You you kind of had to keep an eye on the weather to to see what was going on during certain times of year, and um, you know you, you didn't want to make too many uh, too many personal plans when when the weather was looking like it it may not be cooperating because you might might be getting called up uh, all of a sudden. So. Um, so that was that was an interesting part of it as well. Um, fast forward a few years, um, I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2010, um, and at that time, so I, I mentioned earlier, my my younger brother was in the National Guard as well, and mm. and uh, so he and I, we were part of two separate state National Guards. So he was in the Vermont Army National Guard, and I was in the Connecticut Army National Guard, uh, but both of the uh, those National Guard units were part of the same brigade. And so this deployment was a brigade-wide deployment. So he and I both were deployed to Afghanistan at the same time. Um, and that was that was difficult because, uh, especially for, for our family, because mm -hmm. they had never had both of us deployed at the same time. And it was, uh, you know, it's nerve-wracking to have any uh, family member deployed. Um, yes. you know, my brother had previously deployed to Iraq and that, that was a uh, pretty nerve wracking. Uh, apparently it was a very difficult deployment that he was on. Um, but, uh, you know, having both of us overseas at the same time, uh, I was a, a new father with, uh, my, my first son was born, uh, just a couple months before we wow. were, uh, deployed. Um, and, uh, newly married. I, I was married for about a year and a half at that point. Um, and so it was, it was just a lot of, uh, a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things that were, were kind of difficult for, for the whole family that we were leaving behind at home. Um, and, um, you know, so, so we, we were both deployed there. Um, when we were in Afghanistan, we did not have the opportunity to see each other. We were, we were in the same part of the country, Eastern Afghanistan, but uh, far enough away that we we never got a chance to see each other. So, um, uh, really, the only communication I had with him was just uh, uh, kind of playing the uh, uh, the telephone game where where I would call home and I'd talk to my parents and tell them what I I was up to, and he would do the same, and then my parents would communicate to us like what what we were up to. So, um, so that's really the only way I, I had any kind of communication with him. Um, so that was a, a little hard too. Um, in in Afghanistan, uh, the job that we had was uh, really border security uh, for the most part. Um, our our unit was stationed about two miles from the Pakistani border, and there was a border crossing where the majority of uh, of the coalition forces uh, where our, our supplies would come through um, because Afghanistan being a landlocked country, most of the supplies right. were brought over on cargo ships and they would dock in Pakistan, put be put on a truck and then drive through to Afghanistan. Um, so we had to provide some security to make sure that those trucks had safe passage to get into the country and, and right. uh, also keep, keep kind of tally of uh, how many trucks actually made it through because they wouldn't always make it through from, from the, right. the port where they came off and stuff. So that was kind of our, our job was to kind of secure the area and, and also uh, do, do a quick sanity check on the, the inventory that was coming through. 
Um, so we, we kind of had an idea of what to expect uh, as, as it was coming through. Um, and, and for the most part, that was, uh, it was a uneventful uh, job that we had. There wasn't too much uh, in terms of dangerous situations that we encountered uh, there at the border. Um, uh, it was it was relatively peaceful. There was a, a few uh, kind of hairy situations, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, later on in our deployment, we got sent on missions where we actually had to fly out on helicopters further out from from our base uh, to these very remote villages where we had this suspected Taliban activity, and we would find. Uh, uh, we we would uh, sorry be working with the Afghan army and and kind of training them and and having them go through uh, the villages and and kind of take the lead on on some nice. of these these uh, searches that we would, we would be doing. Um, so so that was interesting too because uh, you know you're working with a a partner force uh, you don't speak the same language and but you're trying to achieve the same goal. Mm. And, and it, it was, it was difficult to work with them, um, especially mm. during the time of year that it was, uh, it was during, uh, the, the Muslim holiday of, uh, Ramadan where they, right. they typically don't, don't eat or drink anything during the, the daylight hours. And, uh, that's typically when we would do most of our, our training and our, uh, our missions was during the daylight hours, uh, because they didn't have night vision capabilities. So, it, it made it really difficult because after a couple of hours, they were pretty much just wiped of all their energy and uh, and didn't really want to do too much more. So so it was a very difficult uh, thing for us to uh, to do. Um, and uh, yeah, so so that was that was kind of the majority of of our deployment and in, in the types of things that we we were doing, um, you know, th throughout that deployment. Hmm. And so um, during that time, when you decided, when you finished up your tour there, were you stationed back in, in the States? Yeah, so um, so my de deployment over there actually came to so, sort of a an abrupt end. Um, so uh, I, I was on one of these missions that I was just talking about, and um, I had gotten a call on the radio that our commanding officer was looking for me. And anyone who knows anything about the, the chain of command knows that the commanding officer usually doesn't go directly to a uh, an enlisted soldier like that. Uh, it'll usually send a message through, through the chain of command to to get right. to me. But but that wasn't the case here. He was looking specifically for me. And uh, usually when that kind of thing happens, something either really good happened or really bad. And I couldn't think of anything really good that had taken place. <laughs> so so I started scratching my head thinking, OK, what did I what did I do wrong? What did I screw up? Um, what went wrong? So um, I, I finally uh, connected with the, the commanding officer and and he told me to, to come over to this area off to the side away from everyone else and, and told me to take a knee and uh, and, and told me that, uh, that my brother's unit had been uh, ambushed and that my brother had gotten hit. Uh, now, prior to this moment, it had, I don't know if it's a defensive mechanism in my own head. I, I had never considered the possibility that my brother could be injured or killed on this deployment. Um, like none of that ever crossed my mind. Um, and I think partially if I had thought that I wouldn't be able to do my own job because I'd be worried about him just being mm. a, your brother. Right. So, 
so my my head just went straight to uh okay well so what are the logistics how do i get to him to kind of be there and comfort him and you know if he needs uh, blood or an organ or, or something like that i'd probably be his best bet to uh to do that because i'm the closest uh, relative to him so so let's get me to him so i can help him uh, but what I didn't understand was that not only was he he hit in that ambush, but he was also killed uh, in in that, right. that firefight. So, um, so that just brought my whole world crashing down on me, yeah. and um, you know it was just a incredibly traumatic event to yeah. uh, to have happen, uh, especially being so far from home, so far from you know uh, support network. Obviously, I had my my yeah. soldiers there who who cared for me like family, but um, you know it's different. Um, you know it, it's not your it's not your parents. It's not your wife. It's not your, your, your close immediate family. Right. Um, so, so that was, that was difficult. Um, but to make matters worse, uh, just maybe 20 minutes after, uh, receiving this, this notification that my brother was killed, uh, our, our own unit started taking fire from the village that we had just come out of. Um, obviously the, the Afghan army didn't do as good of a job as, uh, they said they did in terms of searching the village for, for weapons and things like that, right. because we started taking RPG fire and, and small arms fire from, from this village. And, um, you know, that, that just sent me into a complete fit of rage and just the, the anger yeah. billowing up inside of me. I, I was so angry at the, these people and, um, you know, but I, but I realized at that moment that that anger wasn't going to do any good. Um, if anything, it, it probably was going to end up getting me injured or killed. And I couldn't do that to my parents, have them getting a, a second knock on the door or have my wife yeah. uh, become a widow or, or my son grow up without a father or, or whatever. So I, I, I could, I was like, okay, I, I need to just put this aside as angry as I am right now. I need to put it aside. And, uh, you know, I, I also had, um, you know, 10 or so soldiers uh, who were, relying on me for, for leadership. And, uh, I didn't want anything to happen to them as well, because, you know, how could I tell oh, their yeah. parents or their, their spouses that, uh, that they didn't make it home because I, I couldn't keep my head on straight. Right. So, um, so I said, okay, I, I need to yeah. focus on my job and, and, fo and get this done. Um, after that firefight, we, we managed to, uh, squash that pretty, pretty, uh, easily. Uh, we had the high ground, so it was much easier for us. Um, plus we had air support uh, assets as well. So that, that made it a, a whole lot easier for us. But, um, uh, af after that firefight, uh, I was pretty much flown off of that, that battlefield, uh, and that began my journey home. Um, and within about two days I was, I was home, uh, in, in the States and I, that's where I, I stayed. Uh, I did not return back to Afghanistan after that. Um, and, it began a very difficult process for me in terms of uh, getting back into the swing of things in terms of going back to my civilian job. Um, I mm. found it very difficult for me to relate to the the civilians that I worked with, uh, even though just a few right. months earlier, I, I used to uh, be just fine with them. Uh, I used to, you know, we used to go out to get drinks at a happy hour or, uh, you know, go, just hang out after work or, or, you know, even at lunch or whatever, we'd hang out, we'd talk and, and everything. But I, I just found it very difficult to relate to them. Uh, I only lasted at that job for, uh, maybe about a month and a half, maybe two months after, after coming back home. Um, because it was just so hard for me. Uh, I, I, not only didn't I relate with the people that I worked with, but 
it was hard for me to find any kind of sense of purpose or meaning in the work that I was doing. Uh, mm. It was it was really hard for me to just even get out of bed in the morning uh, to to take a shower, put on my clothes and, and go to work. Um, it, it was like I just didn't care anymore about about that work or or anything that, that I was doing. It, it was um, a lot of unresolved issues, um, you know, going all the way back to the, the day that my brother died. Uh, that anger that I, I had built up inside of me, I, I still carried that anger um, mm. and I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, and, and I would get angry at the, the smallest of things, uh, you know, small things like, you know, someone, uh, got, got pickles on their sandwich, uh, at, at lunch and, and they, they asked for no pickles and they, and they would be complaining about it. And I, I would just, I flip out on them. Like, uh, like who cares? Like, that's such an insignificant thing. Just take them off. If, if that's yeah. like such a big deal to you, just take it off. And, and, but I would be so mad at these little tiny things. Um, even, even my, my son, he was only about a year old at the time. Um, and he would do things that, that little kids do, right. He'd, he'd spill his food. He'd, he'd make a mess, he'd, you know, whatever. And I would just be just so angry at these little things. And, mm. and I started to realize like, that's not who I am. That's not the type of person I, I was before I left. And that's not the type of father I want to be. That's not the type of husband or, or son or, or any, that's not, just not the type of person I want to be. So I, I said, uh, something's got to give some, something is, is not right here. And I need to, to figure this out. Um, and so th this was a little while after, uh, getting back, maybe, maybe six or so, maybe a little more, uh, months after getting back from Afghanistan, when, when I really realized that what I was doing just wasn't working. Um, I wasn't sleeping, uh, at all. Um, the, the only way I would get to sleep is if I, uh, if I drank, myself basically to the point of passing out. Um, right. and, and that was really the only way I'd get to sleep, which didn't make for a great pleasant morning, uh, the, ne the next morning. So, um, you know, I, I try to wake myself up with a bunch of coffee or energy drinks and, um, you know, that, that only worked for so long. And then eventually I had to drink that kind of stuff later and later in the day, which ended up impacting my sleep all over again. And it just became mm. this vicious cycle. It, it was just terrible. So um, not only was, was I carrying all this anger, I, I was, I was always irritable too, because I, I, I never was sleeping right. I, I just, everything was, was going in the wrong direction for me. Um, so eventually my, my wife and I sat down and, and she said, you know, I, I was hoping that you could kind of get through some of this stuff on your own, but, um, you know, it's probably time that you, you talk to somebody about this and, and that's, that's eventually what I ended up having to do. And has that process continued for you? Yeah. So when I, when I first started talking, um, to someone here, uh, it was, it was through the, the veterans affairs. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, the guy that I talked to was incredibly helpful with getting my, my anger un under control and, uh, help, helping me, uh, get to the point where I could sleep at night, uh, yeah. to, for, for most nights. And, and it was, it was much better. Um, and about a year and a half, maybe a little more, uh, after, after seeing this, this person, I, uh, uh, I was, my family and I were moving, uh, to another part of the country and, um, uh, I, I said, you know, I, I think I'm in a pretty good place. I probably don't need to continue with, with this, this treatment. I may not be perfect, but I think I can, I can handle it from here. Um, and so we moved, uh, I, I changed my, uh, 
the process of of going to the the these these sessions, I, I wasn't going anymore, and uh, you know, and I was okay for a little while, in, in but until I wasn't, and I started right. slipping into some of those old habits where I was, uh, I wasn't sleeping, I was drinking too much, I um, I was uh, having a short temper, I was getting angry and irritable at, at things, and and I realized that uh, things like what I was going through, uh, mental health specifically is is not like a, uh, a quick one and done uh, kind of thing all the time it's not like uh you know if you if you break your arm and you go to the doctor and you get it put it in a cast and after a, a little while it's healed and it's done and and that's it and, and mm -hmm. unless you injure it again you don't have to go back and uh get continued treatment for for that type of uh injury um but our minds are a little bit different and our, our minds need a little uh uh little follow-up uh, every once in a while, I think. And, mm. uh, and, and it's, I, I sort of relate it to, you know, going to your annual uh, physical checkup with, with a, a doctor for your physical health. You, you go to make sure that, um, you know, your, your heart's beating right. Your lungs are, are, you know, working correctly that uh, all the, the, the little aches and pains that you might have that you're just kind of dealing with that they're not something more serious. Um, you go and just get, get those kind of things checked up and, uh, you know, with mental uh, mental health type issues, I, I feel like it's okay to do that type of thing too. To, to go back every once in a while and, and just say, "Hey, I just just kind of uh, got a, got a few things that I'm, I'm working through. I just want to want to kind of get through this um, and, and not have it spiral into some bigger problem." Um, and so I I do. I I've I went back. Um, a little while ago, uh, and I, I took a break after that. But um, I continue to go to, to treatment um, through through the Veterans Affairs, and um, you know we we tried you know different forms of of treatment. There's you know everyone usually typically thinks of of talk therapy being the you know you you go into the office and you sit on the couch and and uh, you spill your guts out to to the the therapist and and everything. And you know while there there is some uh, degree of truth to, to some of that, that type of stuff. Um, there, there's other, uh, there are, are plenty of other, uh, treatment options as well that, that don't necessarily involve that, that same type of treatment. Um, but it's, they're, they're all geared towards, uh, getting you better, getting you over whatever it is that is holding you back. Um, you know, and in my case, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, PTSD from, uh, my experiences over there. Um, I, uh, had some, uh, just unresolved issues, things that, that continued to flash back in my, my mind, even all these years later, this was 2010. It's now 2022 now and 12 years later, um, mm. you know, these, these things are still popping up in my head. And, and it, it's like, I, I felt like I, I should probably be over those things by now. Um, I should, if, if I was able to handle this stuff on my own, it probably shouldn't be an issue, but uh, obviously they're still popping up. And and so I'm probably not able to handle all this stuff on my own, at, at least not mm. as well as I thought I was. Um, so, so I, 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 I do continue to get help and, and I will continue to seek this kind of treatment, uh, whether it's through the veterans affairs or through other uh, organizations, because there are so many organizations out there who offer, mm. Uh, uh, different alternative forms of therapies to, to veterans. Um, you know, I, I'm open to, to all of them, you know, and, and seeing, 
which ones which ones work the best? And uh, you know, I, I may try something and may not work for me. It may work great for somebody else, but it may not work for me. So um, you know, no harm in trying it, but but try it and and don't give up. Just move on if if it's not the right thing. Uh, if I if it's not the right thing for me, right? So um, so that's that's kind of where where I'm at right now. Um, I. I I do still continue to to get some treatment. Um, the the person I'm working with now is is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, she's been helping me uh, process through some some of these uh, these they call them uh, trauma thoughts, uh, trauma memories mm-hmm. that 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 come up, and um, you know it, it's just these these things that that continuously pop up in my mind, whether I'm thinking about them actively or not. They they just kind of pop up every once in a while yeah. and, and almost bring me back to as if I'm standing there in Afghanistan, as if this event is happening all over again. So, so it's helping me to process through those so that they're not uh, quite as intrusive as, as they have been for all these years. Thank you for sharing that. I think that um, that's a really, gosh, what a, what a challenging and difficult time for you and your family. Um, I think that for whether you're someone's listening, who's a veteran or they've been through trauma themselves, it's good for them to recognize from your example, from what you've shared, that, like you said, it's not a one and done. Those right. sorts of deep emotional, mental, physical scarring situations, you can't just get over it in an instant. And one meeting with a therapist is not going to get it done. And right. so these things become battles that we constantly fight. And they don't have to be battles where it's a win or lose. It's just a challenge we need to keep working through. I really Correct. appreciate you sharing that so people can be encouraged that there's nothing wrong with them when they keep having to deal with these pervasive issues that pop up. It's something that they're going to have to keep developing and working on strategies. And I love that you said there's not a one-size-fits-all approach or therapy or strategy that you can use and it's okay to try different things because what works for scott won't work for craig and it might work differently for someone else so be okay with not being okay and be okay with trying lots of different strategies thank you for sharing that what a difficult time yeah no absolutely and and i i feel like um you know you're absolutely right with that like there there are so many different approaches and um I, i feel like some people just expect that that first thing they they try we we live in this on demand society where where um we want the the results right now and yeah. uh, you know you, you order something on on Amazon and and it's there you know the next morning and That's you right. know we just want it now kind of thing and and it it's not always the case that it's going to work out that way so um you know be patient um you know give yourself a little grace because the things that have happened to you um you're you're not abnormal or crazy or or anything like that it's it's a perfectly natural response to a uh, not so natural uh, experience right Uh, Mm. a a very traumatic abnormal experience that you may have encountered so um you're 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 human give yourself a little bit of uh, a little bit of grace what i'd love to do scott is to um bring up onto the screen the podcast and the book and i just wondered if there are they a result of what you've been through um obviously can you talk us through that because i'd love for people to be able to know about them and um, access them yeah absolutely so my my podcast i started about three years ago um and this podcast the drive-on podcast uh started really as a result of um after coming back from afghanistan uh, our the soldiers that we served with, we started losing some of them at home to suicide. 
And that to me just did not sit well. It was not something I was, I was okay with uh, waiting around for the next phone call, uh, waiting for um, hearing somebody else that I served with, somebody else that I knew and cared about uh, that they decided that their, their best option was to, to take their own lives. Uh, and so, mm. and I also started realizing that it was a per- pervasive issue amongst the veterans in, in, in our uh, community. And, uh, I wanted to, to help more than just the people that I, I knew. I wanted to help uh, as many veterans as I could. And so I, I decided to start this podcast. Um, to be perfectly honest, when I started it, I didn't have a clue what I was doing <laughs> as far as <laughs> how, to, how to start a podcast, but I didn't really care either. I, I knew that it was something that, that I needed to do. Um, mm. And I, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to start this to help out as many veterans as I could. Um, and a lot of times people are sitting there suffering in silence. They don't realize that there's other people who may be going through the same thing as them. Uh, and, and by, by sharing these stories of other veterans and the, the resources that are available, I see you have that on the screen right now. There's so many resources, uh, for, uh, uh, mental health, physical health, uh, different, uh, things, different support organizations that, that are out there. Um, there, there's so many so many things that, that are there for, for people. And uh, oftentimes it's just a matter of education. If, if you don't know that these mm-hmm. things exist, then then there's there's uh, really nothing that you're going to do about them, right? So so we have so mm-hmm. many resources available and, and they're incredibly helpful. Um, and and so I, sharing all these stories and, and resources, I, I feel like is, is my way of giving back to the veteran community and helping them uh, as best as I can uh, get, get over the the issues that they're they're going through um and and not necessarily getting over it but but um mm. you know helping them guide them to to the solutions that the things that are going to help them the best yeah working through it yeah and and then um and then my book uh surviving son um is basically my story of uh you know in, in much more detail uh, of kind of what we we talked about earlier today uh surviving son um it's it's about my time in Afghanistan, about the loss of my brother, um, mm. and also about um, you know how how that affected me, how it affected my family after after we got home. Um, you know, I, I hope that the the veterans who uh, read a copy of my book, uh, no matter where they're they're from, um, you know, whether, whether they're in the American Army or or, or military or or any of the, the militaries around the world, um, they, I, I feel like they can learn something from, uh, this book. Um, I, I feel like they can learn from my mistakes, um, get help sooner. Um, not, not feel like you're this big macho, uh, soldier who's gonna, you know, carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, you know, when, when one more straw is going to break your back, you know, that, that type mm. of thing. So, so, you, you know, find, Find the help, find the resources that that are out there that will help you. Um, but also, I, I also hope that the civilians, the people who have never served in the military, will pick up a copy of this book and learn about the sacrifices that the military makes. Um, learn mm-hmm. how these these people who you hear about in the news who were killed in action or or wounded in action, how how they're not just another face or another name on the news with. Uh, with no story or background, you have no context to who this person was necessarily. Um, it's just 
you know, oh, that's sad. And then the next thing comes on and, and you've almost forgotten about this person. Um, the way I've written this book is uh, you, you almost start to get to know my brother uh, and know his personality. And and from some people who've read the book and told me about this, uh, it, it kind of stings when you get to the point where uh, where he passes away because you feel like you kind of knew him and you feel like uh, it's like, wow, you know, th this is a tragedy. This is a, a mm -hmm. big uh uh, you know, loss. Um, so I hope they, they, the, these people learn about these sacrifices and how it affects the the families and the communities that we live in. Uh, so that, uh, and I, and I say this not as an anti-war type person at, in any way, shape or form, but, um, I, I hope that they will learn these lessons so that in the next conflict that that the world is inevitably going to be thrown into at some point or another, uh, whether it's in the near future or, or far down the line, uh, so that we we really stop and think: Is this worth the the cost that it's going to to take? Is right. is it worth these lives? These young young men and women who are going over there to uh, to serve us is it is it worth their life to to lose mm. if if we um, if we send them over there, you know, and, and in some cases, the answer is going to be yes, because there's some things that are just worth fighting for. Um, but in other cases, the answer is going to be no. And, and I, I just want to make sure that people really stop and think about what it is that we're, we're sending people overseas for. Yeah. Well, Scott, to wrap up, I do want to again say thank you for, for what you've done. Thank you for your service. And it feels like it's not enough. Thank you for um, sharing your experiences. Thank you for sharing the process you're still going through, grappling with everything that's happened so that you can be the best man you can be for those that matter the most to you, for your wife, for your family, for your son, for those people that you're around and for the veterans that you honor and respect and care for as well through your podcast and through the book. And really appreciate that for everyone who's watching the recording on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Twitch, on anywhere where we have the recording. I'm going to go through and modify the notes and make sure that we have the link to the book and the link to the podcast um, in the show notes as well. Scott, is there a final thought that you'd like to leave with any veteran who's watching? Yeah, uh, you know, for anyone who's who's watching who is uh, going through a dark time, a rough time in their life, um, you have already survived 100% of the bad days in your life. You, you've done that. You should be proud of that. Like, it's not an easy thing to do, and you, you've done that. Um, and the the days will get get brighter. The days will get better. Uh, if you if you let them, if you find the the help and the resources that you need, and uh, you know reach out to to people and and get the help that you need, there's no no reason that you should be struggling and suffering in silence. There there are a whole world of resources out there. Um, reach out and and get the help that you need. Wonderful. Well, Scott, thank you so much for giving us your time, sharing your story. Really appreciate you. And for those that are watching the recording, thanks for joining us on our Veteran Stories Difference Makers. And obviously, Scott is a real difference maker with what he's doing and what he's going to continue to do. So we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Veteran Stories. Mm -hmm.